what I found was that a lot of these women were facing issues in the workplace um, that they couldn't deal with because they felt that, well, it's not a woman's, it's it's not my place to say this. It's not my place to do that. And I'm kind of going, you know, where's this coming from? So a lot of work I do with women is around, where's that belief coming from? Welcome to the Emotional Coach Podcast with me, Andrea Splendori. This week, my guest is Patricia Byron. Patricia is passionate about coaching and in supporting female leaders in the workplace. Patricia discusses with me how some of her clients are dealing with pushing through the leadership pipeline while dealing with health issues such as menopause and infertility. Please subscribe, share and review. It's the only way podcasts like this have a chance to survive. For more information and more episodes, please visit andreasplendori.com or wherever you get your podcast. The title tune is Paralyzed by Nevada. Yeah, it's, it is. It's. 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 Uh, I think it, it attracts the right people. This business it seems to be. Yeah, and and that's it. I think coaching. A lot of people enter the 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 world of coaching because they like the concept of it. Only the people that are. It's only passion that holds people in it. Mm. I think it's only passion that holds people in coaching. Yeah. Um, and and the universe. I'm I'm a great believer in the universe giving us what we want and what we need and uh yeah I'm a, i i i love the idea of i i put stuff out into the universe and it presents me with opportunities and i just grab them i love it mm. well let's start from there then patricia or oh, trish yeah. which way will it trish is fine <laughs> oh. funny enough um i was always known as trish always in you know even at school and and, and stuff like that and then I was in worked. I worked in the financial services industry, and there was somebody else called Patricia. Now, my apologies. I thought I had turned off all my um, bits, but I, there was also there was also somebody else called Patricia uh, with my same surname, so the same name as me. So I became and anyway. So, but yeah, so on a formal basis, I'm Patricia. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see, or whatever. We might interchange yeah. the, the conversation. But the important thing is trying to figure out a bit more about you. So we met during the the corporate wellbeing course uh, a few months ago, and uh, and uh, yeah, and but the the, the thing that interested me as well you, you, when you came back to me that you do specifically working in, in certain areas. But before we get to yeah. that, tell me about your passion. You say you're passionate about it. why you're passionate about this, and how did you get to it? I think my passion was literally born out of my life experiences. Um, one, my passion is about supporting women um, in business, in life. And I think a lot of it was because, um, one, I am a woman. Um, but two, like my formative years, so when I was growing up, was kind of in Ireland in the, in the 80s. Now, Ireland in the 80s was not a place for women. It really, really wasn't a place for women. And that's a whole different story. But there was a lot going on. And 
one of the big things that happened in the 80s was that um, we had the brain drain, as it was called, where anybody and everybody of, uh, you know, over the age of 16, if they could, they got on a boat, a plane, whatever it was, and they went abroad. And uh, I did that. And I'd had, I, I'd had a, a, a childhood where, don't get me wrong, it wasn't, it's not one of these um, sad childhoods, but my resilience had always been tested as, as a young child. So um, it gave me a fierce independence. And I think that's what happens with women is that at that time, they're constantly knocked back. They're constantly knocked back. And they do become either a victim or a survivor. And I chose to be a survivor. I chose to positive psychology, just, you know, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And I went to the UK and literally, as I say, the universe gives us stuff. Serendipitously, I was walking past a bank and there was this advertisement in the bank saying jobs, you know, people wanted they were advertising a job. And I thought, oh, I'll try one of that. So um, I applied for a job in the bank, came home, hadn't even got my leave insert results. This was just between my leave insert and, um, uh, you know, waiting on my results. I had gone to Europe for kind of a, a little, you know, holiday. And uh, bang, I get the job. And I think, oh, my God. And then they say to me, can you come over next month? And I'm like, oh, now, this is a woman who'd never stepped outside of Dublin, really. So I thought, OK, so I go off my suitcase and, you know, my teddy bear and, you know, one book, um, which was actually actually Oscar Wilde. God knows why. But uh, yeah, so I go to the UK and I remember being at the airport and picking up this um, Irish writers poster. So it's a poster. You see it still to this day. You see it all over Ireland um, and it's a poster of, of, of nine Irish writers. And I thought, yeah, that's my identity. This is me now. I'm off, you know. So I went to the UK. Um, they, when I arrived, I realised I was on what they called a management development programme. So they actually pushed me through the um, through the different stages because banking was very rigid in, in, in the UK. And the first thing they said to me is, oh, you have to get your qualifications. Fine, grand, no problem. So they supported me with that. Um, and I worked in the city. Now, again, I'd never been in the city of London, the one square mile of the city of London. And it was like, it was like something out of working nine to five, you know, that movie, like all you saw was men walking around in these braces and pinstripe suits and, you know, all holding their coffee. Like we think coffee now is a big thing. I tell you it was all there in the eighties. And I found that um, being Irish really helped me because I stood out. Being a woman helped me because I was one of the few women on the management development programme. And uh, so I stood out. So I started to progress up through the uh, ranks within the bank. But at the same time, I had a craving to come back to Ireland and I got to a stage where I was told you either stay here or you need, you know, you, you make your life here in the UK or you go back to Ireland. And a couple of things had happened which tested my resilience, even in the UK. Um, it was quite interesting. I 
had only been in the UK a couple of months, maybe a month, and there was a big storm. And I thought to myself, oh my God, is this the universe telling me to go home? And then <laughs> there was Black Monday, because this was 1987. Then there was Black Monday. And I'm thinking, oh my God, right, I'm working in a bank. I'm just, the Black Monday was my first day in the NatWest Stock Exchange. Now, can you imagine what that was like? And then um, a couple of other things uh, had happened um, and they really tested my resilience. I, I was in Charing Cross um, and that, that had a major impact on me. I was, I was in the fire in Charing Cross. Not, not, I, thankfully, I got out before it was a major fire. But I kept saying to myself, the, the universe is telling me, it's telling me, it's telling me to go home. So I made a decision to stop, get off the lather in the UK. Uh, the day I handed in my resignation, my boss handed me the letter to say that I had been made assistant manager. And that was what they called grade five in the UK. I don't like, there was a big fanfare. Wow, you're the first woman. Um, you've done it in four years. Well done, congratulations. Here's your grade five. We're making you an assistant manager. And uh, I went, huh, there's my letter of resignation. And I came back to Ireland and it was strange because the Ireland I left was completely different when I came home, yet nothing had changed. So the Ireland I came back to was Mary Robinson had just been made president. Um, the economy was beginning to pick up. Property prices were beginning to, um, uh, you know, kind of, get increased, movement was happening. Um, interest rates were appalling. They were like 17% at once. I think I worked, I came back and I worked for Irish Life Home Loans and the interest rate was 17%. It was like just astronomical. Um, yeah, and I really, my resilience really, really, really pushed me to my, you know, to stretch myself and gave me that fierce independence. It was also, you know, that that resilience that I'd, I'd, I'd grown up with and had pushed me to the UK and had pushed me to succeed in the UK. And, and it's such a male dominated world um, was also my kryptonite because I became so fierce, uh, independent that I never asked anybody for support or help. Mm. That's my history. No, that's fascinating. I, actually, I, I arrived in Ireland roughly around the same time. I was 91 anyway when I came into Ireland. So I wasn't too far behind you on the plane there. And yeah. it, was a, it was a strange world then. But you mentioned resilience a number of times. And I'm just curious about something. You were quite a young person at the time going mm -hmm. through all of this. I mean, living search, teddy bear, the picture is very clear. You're just left mm -hmm. home and the next thing you're in the city, pinstripe suits and all. But now we'll get to your coaching and the psychology and everything else in a minute. But now you understand resilience for what it is and how you studied and how you work. But for somebody listening that is, is that Patricia at 20s, mid twenties, how do you describe res resilience to somebody at that, of that age? Because for me, resilience is a relatively new world. world. Mm. Um, and now you can frame in all other different ways. Mm. But 
back then, you know, you were fighting against the tide. Uh, yeah. Whatever that was. How would you describe it to a younger person? It's, it's, very, it's a very interesting question because um, I remember when I kind of became aware of the word resilience and it was described to me. And this was in my, you know, my 20s or early 30s. And I remember turning around going, geez, I've been doing that all my life. You know, I've been doing that all my life. I have been standing up and bouncing back and saying, this is, this. So, for example, um, one of the things that happened was... um, I was in King's Cross. I was on the tube in King's Cross and we came out and there was smoke and there was fire and we were herded out of um, King's Cross and we got out. And um, I remember looking back and thinking, there was people wailing and crying and gnashing of teeth. And I'm kind of there going, no, this is great. I've survived it. This didn't, and I'm never going to allow this to define me. So for me, resilience is... Accepting what life throws at you and choosing and make you're, you're at that crossroads and you can either choose for it to define you, whatever it is that's bringing you down, or you can choose to say, no, how can I make this work for me? And it's, it's then not being a victim, it's being a survivor. So for me, resilience is around knowing that you can get through it you have the power within to deal with it um and it will work out and it's that you know i'm a great believer in positive psychology as well not to the detriment like i don't go around all happy clappy but i'm a great believer that if there's there's two ways to look at a glass of water we'll treat it as half full not half empty it's really interesting because we we're doing some work at the moment with the we're doing some coaching work with a, with a company at the moment, an organization, and it's all around, well, resilience, and it's around uh, female empowerment. And, it, and it's interesting because one of the things you said to me uh, when we first spoke was about the glass ceiling. And it is, it's the glass ceiling. It's, a, it's, just, it's just a strange one. I never, it never really registered with me too well, you know, the idea of glass ceiling. But that's something that you're very passionate about it that brought you into what you're doing now. Am I correct? To like to support that leadership. And, and when you were handed that, that um, assistant manager job, but you actually decided to turn it down. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there trying to get this into assistant manager job and they're still seeing the pinstripe, pinstripe suit or whatever else there is at the moment. So tell me a bit yeah. about that. Well, I suppose um, I made a decision in my life. Um, And I always believe that no matter what decision we make in life, no matter what it is, once you make it informed at that particular moment in time, well, then it's always going to be the right decision. So whenever I come to a crossroads, I think about the pros, I think about the cons, and then I make the decision. So never regret, I never regret decisions I've made in my life because I know I made them at the time based on the information I had and therefore it was the right decision for me. Um, Once again, uh, I came back to Ireland and I found, you think male domination in in, in the UK and pinstripe suits was bad. You came back to an Ireland where it really, really meant what rugby club you were in 
or what golf club you were in. And it wasn't what you knew, it was who you knew. And again, I found it really, really hard to progress through my career. I always found that um, if there was two, myself and somebody else in the room and that somebody else was a man, for whatever reason, they would get promoted. But I never took that as a victim. I always said, okay, well, look, what other way? And then I discovered that um, I could shine and I could hit my own glass ceiling through, through, through things that I did that meant stuff for me. I found myself been tested again. Um, I, I contracted a neurological condition and I found myself been tested again when I was basically told you have to give up work. And it's not something that you want in your mid thirties. Um, and I did retreat for a good while and I did find myself going into that. The black dog came along and sat on my shoulder. But rather than me kind of wallowing in it, um, I adopted my positive attitude again and said, no, let's let's face this. And um, I said, well, what can I do from my own home? What can I, I can't go out into the workplace anymore. So what can I do from my own home? And I thought, OK, well, there's loads of people I've sat around a board table with. Um, I maybe didn't have a voice at that table, but they respected me. I know they did. So what can I do to influence their decisions when they're choosing people to step into their shoes. So what I found myself doing was even then was championing women in the workplace without the women even realizing I was doing it. So a colleague might contact me and say, um, look, you know, what do you think? I'm thinking of, uh, you know, promoting this person or so on. You know, you've worked with her. What do you think? And I would always champion that person. If they rang me about a man, I'd do the same. Like, I'm not a feminist. I'm an equalist. I believe in everybody being equal. And uh, then kind of probably for the last 10 years, maybe 15 years, I've realized my love of education, my love of training, my love of coaching. And I started to coach. I started to have some women come to me Um and then my coaching business grew through mainly through referrals. Women were referring other women to me. And suddenly one day I looked and I said, my God, I have an awful lot of women coming to me. And I remember asking somebody, why did you choose me as your coach? And she said, well, you just get it. She said, you've been there. You've done that. You just get it and you understand and you don't judge me. Now, I didn't want to tell her that that's the whole principle of coaching. We don't judge people, but um, yeah, you know, it was a very nice comment to receive. Um, and I suddenly then started to discover that if you look, so if you take the 2016 census, the average age of women then were 38. And I started to realize that a lot of the women that I was coaching were kind of, um, they were stepping up to their first management role. They were transitioning in up the leadership pipeline and they were having difficulty. And the difficulty was they knew they were good. They knew they were good at what they did, but society had told them for some way or another that men were better. And, and we've seen this consistently. Um, you know, there's, there's loads of research around, you know, 
these statistics about if, a, if, if there's a job and a, and a woman looks at the job spec and she's got only eight of the characteristics, she won't go for the job. But if a man looks and he's got four of them, he'll go for it. You know, it's, it's, it's this attitude. Um, and what I found was that a lot of these women were facing issues in the workplace um, that they couldn't deal with because they felt that, well, it's not a woman's, it's it's not my place to say this. It's not my place to do that. And I'm kind of going, you know, where's this coming from? So a lot of work I do with women is around, where's that belief coming from? What is it? Why is it limiting you? Why is it defining you? And then what I've realized is that, um, I started to move up and I'm coaching now women kind of at a, a, you know, middle to senior management. So they're moving into the C-suite level. They're also moving into their 40s and their 50s. And I suddenly realized that they started to describe things that were happening to them in the workplace that they were putting down to them. And they were saying things like, you know, I get so anxious and, you know, I'm, I just, I made a mistake and I get so anxious about making mistakes. And I'm kind of thinking, hang on here. You've just told me that you've done this, 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 and this. You've told me about all your experience. You've told me, like, why is this mistake that you, you're worried about um, concerning you? And for a couple of women, I've had to take off my coaching hat and put on a kind of a mentoring hat and say, um, have you had your ferritin levels checked? Um, you know, is it possible you could be in menopause? And these women have gone off and they've gone to their doctors. And even the doctors have told them, oh, no, 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 you can't be in menopause. No, 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 you're only 45. No, 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 you're only 48. You can't be in menopause. And the women are coming back and going, no, no, my doctor's saying it's not. And you're kind of, as a coach, you're kind of at that, that stage where you've got to, again, have the belief that your client knows themselves and they know their body, they know their mind, and, and, and they will find their way through. And so we do coaching. And, and, and then suddenly, you know, this thing, when it, this Sherlock Holmes things, um, you know, when nothing else is, I can't even remember the quote, but, you know, when all else fails and there's nothing else, well, then, you know, the obvious must be there. Yeah. And they do eventually come around to the fact that, you know, it's obvious. It is the menopause. And then I hear women saying to me, oh, but I thought it was only hot flushes and I haven't got any of them. And I'm saying, no, it's brain fog. It's, 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 it's problems, um, just problems with your memory. It's, 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 it's feelings of anxiety. It's, it's, it's that flutter in your stomach where a lot of my clients were putting that down to them not feeling confident anymore. And I'm saying, yeah, You've lost your confidence, not because you're not good at your job anymore. You've lost your confidence, not because you haven't progressed up the ladder. You've lost your confidence because you're going through a phase of life that every woman goes through. Yeah, it's really interesting. I was saying to you that one of on my other podcasts, the, the Social Fabric, I interviewed uh, Neve Daly, and she specializes in perimenopause and, and yoga and every other thing. It goes with it to, to improve perimenopause and menopause and the, the things she explained to me in the podcast I wasn't aware of them but and that's the interesting thing in the workplace us men don't know it we don't know anything but that's 
pretty much the reality. I, I think I can speak for the majority of us. We don't really know what a menopause is. And, and if you, you're going through menopause and you happen to be my boss, all of that doesn't happen. And it's still very much a taboo conversation, isn't it? You find that with your clients or? Absolutely. In, in fact, um, as women, we were told, so the women that are going through menopause at the moment, and I'm one of them. Um, and let me tell you, like the reason I can speak from experience is I mentioned to you earlier on, I had a neurological condition. Um, so I, everything that happens to me now, I just put it out. That's my condition. That's my condition. Let's get on with it. Um, and I had my GP and consultants and specialists put me through MRI scanners, sending me to urologists, um, sending me to um, gynecologists. Send, I, so I must have spent uh, about two or three years before I was told, oh, it's, it's, it's menopause. I probably spent somewhere around, in, in financial terms, a lot of money, but somewhere around 10 months, 12 months, trying to get somebody to hear me. And I'm going, no, 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 no. I don't have a brain hemorrhage. I'm just, I'm getting these headaches and, and my body and my skin and my skin is crawling. And, and they're kind of looking at me going, your skin's crawling? Go away out of that, you know? And so if women aren't even been heard, how can they tell the people in their workplace? Mm. And we've learned, like as children, we were told, oh, don't tell anybody you've got your periods. Oh, you couldn't. You couldn't have a discussion when you were you, when we were younger about having periods. It just wasn't told. You know, you didn't discuss it. Um, so that is ingrained in us. That's that's inbuilt. So what do we do? We just soldier on. We, you know, keep up appearances. And, and there's no forum allowed for women to discuss this type of thing. And this is not I'm not only talking about women in the workplace during menopause. There's another big taboo here, and that's the word taboo. You don't talk about it. Um, the other taboo is infertility. And you've got a lot of my clients, when, again, you talk to them, um, they've been suffering from infertility and they've been going for infertility treatment for two to three years. And the only person who knows about it is their partner, their husband or whatever the case may be. It's the only person who knows about it. And can you imagine what the body is like when you're pumping that amount of synthetic drugs into your body? Imagine what it's like where you're going through months and months and months of, of tests and off to the doctor and you can't tell anybody in the workplace because the minute you tell them you're going to a doctor, it's like, what's wrong with you? And the minute you tell them that, you know, you're, you're getting fertility treatment and you're trying for a baby, you're, well, then you're on the mommy track. And sure, then you're going to be just ignored. You know, it's bad enough women getting pregnant in the workplace. But if you told somebody, mm, you know, we're, we've, we've got a fertility issue here and we're dealing with it and it's going to maybe take two or three years. Oh, forget about it. And that's what women believe. And why do they believe it? Because that is happening in some workplaces. Don't get me wrong, Andrea, the, the, there's a lot of workplaces out there at the moment through their corporate well-being programmes that are beginning to recognize this and they're supporting women. But the problem is the root cause is that women don't want to talk about it. They don't think they've got a forum for it. They're embarrassed by it. They're embarrassed by their infertility. They're embarrassed by their menopause. 
and they feel that it's 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 just them. And when we isolate people and put them into silos and, and we remove their supports, how can they soar? How can they develop? And the sad thing about the workplace is what happens is that women drop out of the workplace. And there's companies out there that have women who excel and yet the women suddenly up and leave. Oh, with the excuse, oh, I'm going to look after my family or, you know, I've, I'm, I, you know, I'm happy now. I don't need to work anymore. That's not the reality. The reality is they don't or couldn't face the issue that um, they were going through a phase of life that nobody understood. Yeah. And uh, and I hear and I, you know, when you mentioned their corporate well-being, I always say that although that's the studies we did, but it's very much. To me, it's more it's well-being, really, isn't it? It's the person, it's, it's the person in the workplace, and but so tell me in terms of what you you guys do, you do something else that it, it relates to women and helping women is the Good Witch program. <laughs> tell me about yeah. that based on the uh, on the Wizard of Oz, Dorothy. Tell me what's that all about? Well, um, as a child, the one thing that always kind of scared me very little scared me the one thing that always scared me was the bloody witch in the wizard of Oz. <laughs> and every year at christmas you know the movie would be rolled out and i'd be made sit on the couch with a blanket around me and plunked in front of the couch and i'd watch the wizard of Oz. and i never could i, I used to spend half my life underneath the blanket could never watch it. I hated the munchkins. I um, I got scared by the witch. Um, the, the wizard kind of freaked me out a bit. But then over the years, um, I began to understand the whole thing around the Wizard of Oz. And, and I began to see the analogies of Dorothy. And Dorothy was somebody who was thrown into a world that she didn't understand and um, through chaos she um had to stand on her own two feet and then there was the good witch and the good witch came along and said at the end of the movie she said you always had the power my dear you just had to find it for yourself and when you look at dorothy and she's going and she decides that she has to go see the wizard because the wizard is the person the man who is going to help her and going to get her to where she needs to be that she follows this road this yellow brick road that she's told to follow and who does she meet along the way she meets the scarecrow and she meets the tin man and she meets the lion and she convinces these male um, actors or male representations that they can join the journey with her and she pushes them along to get to the Wizard of Oz so they can get the heart, they'll get the brain, you know. Um, and the thing is that it's Dorothy who mentors them. It's Dorothy who brings them along. So that's, that's the concept of the programme. Um, throughout the Wizard of Oz and it's as I said it's the one one thing that really frightened me as a child one movie that really frightened me as a child um, but the the one thing about through the Wizard of Oz is that the good witch appears when Dorothy needs her 
And she doesn't tell Dorothy what to do. She just helps guide her in the right direction. And so my Good Witch programme is, is purely that. I believe that the people that come on my programme, where I get involved in leadership skills, um, we look at um, assertiveness, leadership skills, building confidence. We look at um, all different aspects, not just of women in the workplace, but potential leaders in the workplace. Um, it just happens that most of the programme women attend. Um, and, and, and it's around building confidence, instilling resilience, uh, allowing women to discuss and explore in a forum where they don't have to worry about people judging them. And I bring up the taboo topics. I bring up the topics of around fertility. I bring up topics of menopause. I bring up topics of, of women, women um, looking after children in the home. Um, you know, and, and, and we kind of just look at what's holding us back and what can bring us back to Kansas. Wonderful. I'll never think of uh, Wizard of Oz in, in any other way from now on. That's, uh, that's <laughs> fabulous. That's great. <laughs> so uh, we're coming towards the end, Tricia. Um, but you also just stay, just in terms of coaching to stay with that, because I know you do a lot of stuff with universities and, and training and so on and so forth. But for the purpose of this conversation, you do quite a bit of a outdoor coaching as well as something that you find. Uh, I started doing it recently and, and it's fabulous. It's just so... So nice, no, it's so nice for both of us, both me and the client, to to be going for a walk or or a run or whatever it may be. Well, funny enough, the idea and the idea came from my niece, um, who she was. It, it was a number of years ago, and she was um, studying for her leaving certificate, and she was really, really stressed out. And I said, come on. And I, I grabbed two kayaks and I threw them into the water and I said, let's go for a kayak. And I found that she wasn't talking. She wasn't communicating with me. I could see she was very stressed. And um, we did some kayaking. And the amazing thing was that after about half an hour kayaking, we stopped and we threw the kayaks into the reeds and we weren't sitting facing each other. We were sitting side by side. And she started to talk. And she didn't stop. And I just said to myself, my God, you know, it's obvious that this, this just gave her the energy to clear her mind, to think about nothing else other than paddling. And it, it unlocked whatever was going on inside her. Um, and so I started to do it with a few of my clients. Um, I'm lucky. I'm very fortunate to have a boat on the Shannon. And uh, it's my sanctuary. Water is my sanctuary. I, I love water. And it's where I go to rest and recuperate and um, to re-energize. And I just said, why am I keeping this to myself? Start sharing it with my clients. So I offer my clients an opportunity to come kayaking with me. It's... Um, a coaching conversation for all different sorts of reasons, insurance and all the rest of it. I can't be seen to be bringing them out on, on, on kayaking, but I offered them to come and have a conversation with me. And some of, um, some of my clients' best self-work is done on the water. 
and 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 it's lovely. It's 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 a pity we can't do it now during COVID. Um, I'm not a I, I can't kayak for very long, so you don't get much out of me. <laughs> you, you'll get about 20 minutes and then I shove it into the reed. I'm, I'm more likely, get it for about 20 minutes, shove it into the reed. Let's have a quick conversation and take out a bottle of bubbly and we, we'll celebrate then, you know. But um, yeah, no, I find it very, it's, it's, it's very good because it's that whole thing about just stop focusing on everything that's going on around you and just listen to your heart, listen to your gut, listen to the inner person that you are and that will guide you and show you the way you know wonderful um i'll put all the your details on the show notes for anybody who wants to get in touch with you to go for a kayak or a chat or, or whatever it may be and so any final thoughts before i let you go back to your work patricia um i would i would i would reach out to employers to say you're doing really, really good work around corporate well-being um, and mental health. But there's a couple of things that you could do for women um, to provide them with a forum to discuss issues around infertility and menopause. And they're only simple little changes. They, they're not going to cost a lot of money. The only thing it's going to cost is a bit of thought. And I would reach out to employers and say, look, your your investment in women uh, over the years has been phenomenal and and don't let these women walk out of the workplace because of a taboo subject wonderful well patricia baron or trish baron thanks a million for your time and uh, we shall talk to you again very soon andrea it's been a pleasure an absolute pleasure talking to you and best of luck thanks very much take care thanks for the opportunity bye-bye not at all talk to you soon patricia take care Kind of